Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Andre, the Ladies and gentlemen, the number one sports and recreation podcast in the world is Cheap Heat. It will emanate from Sony Hall in New York City Friday night at 8 p.m. Special guests galore. One man who will be there joins me right now as he does every week, except for last week when I was by myself in Orlando. His name is Stat Guy Greg. Greg, how are you? I'm doing great, and I'm glad we got you back from Orlando. I saw the title of the episode, and I was just like, is my boy going to make it? <laughs> yeah, there were concerns. There were concerns. It was repug. But um, I survived. Um, now, Greg, uh, are you able to hear the, jo- the drops, Greg? Uh, play one. I thought I heard you say it was repug just now. I thought I heard a repug. There you go. There you go. He can't get past a guy who's just shady. Yep, I'm hearing the drops. Thanks for nothing, Shaq. And I stand by my Shaq chicken comments all the time. Oh my god! All right, perfect. Major, mage. Okay, we're in biz- we're in business. What do you think of the mail drop we've been using from Dipperstein? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, my first time hearing it was last week. Mail. Oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna. Are you listening to me, RJ? I'm gonna have to have RJ put that in real quick too on my page. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta send this to him because the 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 Dipperstein drop is really mage. We need that. Um, yeah. Um, anyways, it was a. Uh, we, there's one way we absolutely have to start. I mean, we cannot seem to catch a break these days when it comes to just really bad news in wrestling. And this week was a really tough one. In that we lost Jim the Anvil Neidhart, um, 62 years old. This was no doubt a shocking one. He has had some health stuff over the years. But, man, I did not expect this. Um, first, I think the first thing that all of us, I assume, and maybe this is my personal, definitely could be my personal bias here, but first thing you think about is is natty yeah you know we we've all just grown to love natty so much and she is such a an integral part of the wwe universe and the total divas and bellas and all the different things she does and you know she is just her her love for her father was so pronounced it was so clear which is exactly you know what i text messaged her the other day uh, condolence, condolence text, text not fun to send. However, Greg, I, unfortunately, I pride myself at being good at them. Um, I try to say something that is, is very sincere. Um, and I guess I've been around, unfortunately, enough sad things over the last several years to get an idea of what at least I think those things are. And I told Natty that I, I think there's, you know, if you're looking for um, one nice thing, it's it's that her love for her father was so abundantly clear while he was alive. She posted about him a lot. They had moments on TV together over the last few years. I just know personal stories that she had told me about her dad. 
Um, but mostly you know, it, it, she made it, it was, a, it was out there for public consumption. So you know that he was aware of it. He, she made very clear how she felt about him. And he got to see his daughter really excel in this, in this business and field that he put so much into. So I do take, I think there, I think maybe, maybe Natty can take a little bit of solace there because people don't always lose someone and know that that person knew. And that's something that people really struggle with. But he knew. Now, Greg, where, what, what we do more of as a wrestling show is just talk about the impact as a wrestler. And I know we both have plenty to say about Jim the Anvil Neidhart. I'll keep mine simple and just say, you and I are both Bret Hart guys, um, right at the top of both of our lists. I'll tell you this right now. I didn't necessarily think about it this way until Anvil passed. How much Bret owes to the talent of Jim Neidhart. Everything. Because, <laughs> because I don't know how much the Hart Foundation gets over in the early days with simply Brett, who's a great technician. Because in 85, 86, 87, 88, that team, the heart and soul, the engine, the the energy, the real sort of heel persona is Jim Neidhart yelling and stroking that beard. Mm-hmm. And that, that laugh, man. That maniacal laugh. laugh. Exactly. So that's so big. That's such a big part of the Hart Foundation working. And then ultimately Brett becoming Brett. Um, I, I feel for Brett deeply um, and everyone in the Hart family. But man, Greg, you could see when Neidhart passed – how big his impact was, not just in wrestling, but even for people who haven't followed wrestling in a long time, man. He was loved. He was, and he was definitely well-known, too, like we said, for that maniacal laugh and and that goatee, man. Like, all my life I've been trying to grow a, a Jim Neanville Nodhart goatee, and it never happened, and it probably never will. But, like, he he was, like you said, really beloved. And it was it's beautiful that he knew how much Natty loved him and how much he was beloved by her. But it it's also sort of sad that, you know, he didn't get to see how much, like, we as the fans loved him. I don't feel like we gave him as much, um, you know, love and admiration and adoration as we could have while he was here. Because, you, like you mentioned, um, 85, up until, like, 1990, when they were rocking as a tag team, they were... With or without the titles, they were a top tag team. And um, he helped take Brett to the next level. And, you know, everybody knows how they feel about the Hitman. And the Hitman knows about how everybody feels about him. But Anvil, Anvil too, man, he I wish we appreciated him more while he was around. Yeah, and maybe, you know, I sort of wish we'd gotten more opportunities. Um, You know, for how closely he was tied to the WWE, he wasn't around that much. He didn't make. When was the last time he made an official appearance? Do you know? I don't know. I, I I don't. I feel like the last time I saw him on WWE television was when um when he was 
recruited and then kicked out of DX as like the last time they stuck it to Brett. Um, but that's I think was the last time we saw him on WWE TV. So I don't know that he ever popped up on anything for like you know a Raw or like a yeah, not that I Maddie. recall. Man, I'm still um, still really. It's a bummer. This one's a real, real bummer. And, and there have been a bunch that have been tragic. But, um, yeah, I don't know. This one sort of sticks in your craw. I guess I guess it really reminds me of just how much I love the Heart Foundation, man. Yeah. And because it was so unexpected, too. Like, at least for me. Like, it came. it really came out of nowhere. And I guess it's always going to come out of nowhere. But this one really felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, funny side side note. My first real run in with wrestling in any way was my my dad's best friend Dan, who's like an uncle to me, is a lawyer in uh Pittsburgh. It's the reason I love the Penguins. It's because of Dan. And Dan moved to Pittsburgh in 89 uh, to run for city council, but he was also a lawyer. And uh, he ended up representing Anvil. Oh, nice. When Anvil got accused of some sort of altercation on a plane. Let me see if there's a story about it written anywhere. I bet there is. Jim Anvil Neidhart... This is 2010, but there's a reference. Neidhart's had other legal issues in the past, because I guess this was about a different story. In January of 87, he was on a flight from Tampa to Pittsburgh when he was charged with punching a female flight attendant who worked for U.S. Air. He swore he never touched her and was acquitted a few months later. Vince McMahon then loaned him money to sue the airline with the best lawyer he could find. Future Senator Rick Santorum, who procured a $380,000 lawsuit at the end of 1991, netted him a gig as a lobbyist for WWWOW. Neidhart never paid McMahon back and was fired for it. <laughs> what? I didn't even realize that was part of the story. But the original case in which he was the defendant, the one that got acquitted, uh, our friend Dan represented him. And yeah, I have an autograph from Neidhart. I believe it's on the back of one of Dan's business cards or something, but that was my first interaction in any distant remote way with a pro wrestler. But, you know, he did have his moments of troubles, as, as I just uh, mentioned there, um, throughout the years. Um, you know, I think the crazy, the crazy that you saw in Anvil definitely seemed to be, you know, part of who Jim Neidhart was. But he also seemed to be a good guy and a good father. And um, certainly we send love to Natty and TJ Wilson and the entire Neidhart family. Real, real loss for fans of WWE and uh, particularly 80s and 90s WWE. He, he I, I enjoy the random matches with him back on, on early Raw days as singles. Neidhart. Yeah, right before him and Owen teamed up after that King of the Ring. Yeah, exactly. And then he teams up with Owen. And then he's a part of the Big Heart Foundation later with Pillman. Um, 
You know, so he did have more iterations. You don't always think of that. You end up generally thinking 85 to 90. But but he did pop up many times and popped up in WCW, of course, as well. And <sighs> So rest in peace to Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Greg, unless you have something major from outside the ring, um, I, I guess at this point it's known. I didn't want to talk about it last week, but it's now known that Tegan Knox was hurt in the May Young Classic, correct? Yeah, it, that that news is pretty much out there. Um, the May Young Classic spoilers have sort of been hard to avoid. Not that we'll get into any here, but um, yeah, you know, I'm not going to. Of course, and a bunch of other news leaked. Yeah, there's other news I'm sure that came out of that, but I know she posted about it on Instagram, and I know it was picked up in most places. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to give any information about the, the the story and the um, you know, how it affected the tournament because I'll leave that for when it starts airing on TV. Um, but yeah, she did issue a, a lengthy statement about the whole thing. And I just want to say, Greg, I have never, I've never been around a scene quite like that, uh, when her injury went down. And I'll, I'll talk more about it when it airs on TV, just for the sake of being safe and not being a jack wagon who gives up too much information. But, um, it was a really, really sad scene and shocking scene. Um, so I'm glad that she seems to be upbeat and working towards getting better, but it was it was it was crazy, man. It was a I'll, I'll tell you more about it as time goes on, but really really crazy uh, and and a bummer that that happened. Um, SGG, I also touched briefly on CM Punk and Colt Cabana. I know you have to be entertained by this. I, I am. I think it's it's funny and sad. Um, it's sad, sort of sad for Colt because you have to know that like. He he trusted Punk, and um, you know he he put himself in a certain position because he trusted Punk, and then he ended up you know losing his friend, but also now he's in the hole half a million dollars to uh, due to attorneys' fees. But um, so it's weird. This is going to be an interesting case to watch too. I mean, my mind is telling me that Cabana is probably not going to be able to recover anything but um but at you the mean same just from time just your hunch yeah just my hunch but at the same time though like it's tough because if this goes to jury you have to believe that he might be able to convince a jury that um he would have settled if punk didn't make certain assurances and um that him relying on punk's word that he wouldn't that he would pay for the legal fees as the only reason that he acted the way he did and no, then, you know, you know, if he can look sympathetic enough to a jury, a jury might say to punk, well, you have to pay him back. Uh, also quick correction. I'm sorry. Jim Neidhart was 63, not 62. Not 62? Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to watch this punk and Cabana case. And, um, it, and so it's sad that they lost their friendship over WWE, but it's funny that like people are also blaming WWE. I saw somebody, uh, I forget who it was, but like they wrote a whole article about how the dissolution of Punk and 
Cabana's friendship was all a part of WWE's plan. Like they wanted to sow dissension among those two, and like, that's that's just crazy. Like it's it's honestly crazy. You know, somebody else was saying WWE should be responsible for the legal fees, but also absurd because WWE wasn't even a party to the lawsuit. So to pull them in just for the purposes of paying out legal fees is is wild. It's just like I mean, but I'll tell you what though, the accusation alone is so damning for for punk in terms of like the for punk people out there who are big punk supporters and seem to think he's always morally in the right i mean this yeah, is not like, the first story that to me has made him look weak you know and listen i'm, I'm a big punk fan as a wrestler and I, I you guys know where i feel about how i feel about the you know the the pipe bomb and how important that was and the good stuff that uh, in his career i feel incredibly strongly about it but there's also the other stories, the random stuff, the Michelle Beadle, AJ Lee story. That's terrible. The this is bad. It, it makes you think about Corey Graves, too, though, right? Like a couple of months ago um, after he lost that second fight and Corey Graves tweeted what he tweeted and people were like calling Corey bitter and things like that. And Corey had to go out and be like, like, no, like me and him were friends. We were really cool. And like, it's just garbage the way he treats his friends and has been treating them after this happened. This sort of adds. Um, well, I, some I know that to be to that. true. I mean, I, I this, don't want to speak too out of school, but I think I've said some stuff about it on the show before. I mean, one of the first times I ever heard, hung out with Corey, he was very emotional talking about punk. And how bummed out he was about their relationship. But this sort of adds credibility to that, right? It that does. like he's well, I, I, not I, the best friend. Now, you mentioned Corey Graves, gotta give props to Rasley Young. Oh yeah. Killed makes history Monday. makes history as the first woman to be a part of a commentary team for the entire episode of Monday Night Raw. And based on how she performed now, people seem to react, Greg, it seems unlikely she wouldn't be doing it again. Yeah, you have to think that, you know, this might have been an audition for Evolution or like, you know, a backdoor pilot of some sort to where Renee, we get more Renee Young at the at the commentary table. And I wouldn't be mad at it. Like, uh, it was honestly, um, you know, I don't want to put somebody down in the midst of praising her, but you just can't help but think about other people who have been in that role and how she performed far and away better than just about anybody that sat in that third chair position on Monday. And you, you saw the same thing in general. People were all just very receptive, right? Yeah. I haven't, I hadn't seen one bad word about um, how she performed. And like, I think part of that is, well, a lot of it is because of how she performed. Just, she's so great in that role. But then like another part of it too, is just Renee is just great period. Like in that role and like the backstage commentary role and then, you know, the, the kickoff show panel role. Uh, if you ever meet her in person, she's great. She's just great. I mean, that just, that's just part of it too. Yeah. Couldn't, obviously I couldn't agree with you more. Um, now SGG, we got to get to this week. There's a lot going on. I don't know if you know, SummerSlam is this week. Yeah, this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, which first, means that uh, NXT Takeover is also. That's right. There's NXT weekend. Takeover, which I don't even see how we get time to talk about Takeover today. I don't. I would like to try to pull off a second episode um, tomorrow, but schedule wise is very tough. 
Um, I'll make the announcement right now. Tomorrow and Friday, I am shooting uh, pieces for an all WWE complex open late that's coming out next week. <laughs> that's right, SGG. Oh, yeah. That's right. Next week, Open Late is an entirely WWE episode. So I'm very, very, very excited about what we're doing, the talent that I have for it. Um, it's going to be really, really cool. So I am very busy this week, but we are going to try our best to get as much in as we can. And then we will try to get another episode in if we can. And then Friday night, of course, we have the big Cheap Heat Live tickets at Sony Hall. Now, the number of tickets is getting to a we're getting there. You know, I, I wanted it to sell out just instantaneously. And Greg, in some ways, I think I played myself by by announcing that we would also meet people on Saturday. Because they're not going to pay for the meet and greet when they get to Saturday. Not even pay for the meet and greet. I think some people who want to meet us will just skip the live show altogether. And I don't even know. Do you know what other events are happening Friday night that we're up against? I think there's a Joey Janela show, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure, though. Oh, you know what? There is. There. That's the indie show. That's like the big indie show that's happening that night. Um, I know there's like a comedy show thing later that night. Right. At Caroline's. Um, Sam is running like two or three shows this week. How dare he? Um, Bruce and Conrad, they have a show on Saturday. Let's call, let's call Bruce real quick and see if he instantaneously starts hawking. <laughs> if he's about his business, he will. If I know anything about Bruce, if, if he is the person I've gotten to know over the last couple of years, I would say there's no doubt about it. He, he will start hawking right away. Now he won't be able to hear you, Greg. So let's try this. Uh, I'm having a contest live on my podcast as we're recording. How many seconds it could take for you to start hawking to get tick to sell tickets for this Saturday? Um, give me a step outside, step ball for you, real quick. <laughs> well, if I know you, Bruce, I think you want to step outside and cut a promo, but you got to tell the people here what's going on this weekend. Well, I mean, are we like recording as we speak? Yeah, yeah, of course, already, right now. Well, well, like, then if right now, the, the thing to do is to hit the Grammar Street Theater on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, but you don't want to wait and try and get your tickets at the door because then they've already sent out all the word that there's only a few tickets left. Uh, get those at BrucePritchard.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, are you coming to the show on Saturday? Well, listen, I, I am going to – What's it's at 2 o'clock? What time is it going to end? It is at 2 o'clock at, at the Grammar Street. It ends at 4 o'clock. 
And then, hey, walk with Elias is after that. But uh, man, I, you're invited. You're always invited to my shows. And New York City is kind of like my second home because it's the greatest fans in the world. That's just the real life of it. Not to mention, you you cut your teeth here. I mean, this is when you were just a youngster running around doing whatever Vince needed. You were running around these streets in New York, a country bumpkin, didn't know your way, but you found a way. It's a it's a great American story, Bruce Pritchard in New York City. It is. It's the true American dream, and I get to fulfill it all and bring it all back full circle by coming back to perform for my beautiful Yankee brothers. You know that Texas thing, and I'm going to have a damn blast. We got a lot of good surprises coming up too that are going to be there oh no i'm i i know i know how you guys do it SummerSlam weekend now, now listen bruce i i have i i i also had to call this is very rare it's not often someone calls a guest to have them plug their show but so i can also remind you to plug my show on something to wrestle with bruce pritchard <laughs> well just so you know we recorded that last night and plugged the living you know what out of it. I can't say that bad word, but you know what I did. And we plugged the hell out of it because you reunite with the mass man that's right that's right it's a big it's a loose it's a loser leaves podcasting match that everyone's excited about well bruce um i'm gonna stop by and i hope at some point this weekend you and i can sit down and have an adult beverage like we try to do at these uh at these occasions i like it i like it i'm looking forward to it pete thank you for everything man always pleasure always buddy later bruce Bye-bye. There he is, brother love, Bruce Pritchard, the number one. I, I call us number one in sports and recreation. I got to tell you, Greg, it's tough up against those guys. I've been, I go through like ups and downs with podcasts and I've been back on a big something to wrestle with kick over my travels recently. Well, it's, it's the WWE title and the universal champ. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, that's a good point. It's that's, two different that's titles. How it is. Yeah. You know, you know what? Great, great point out of you. Oh my goodness. So after you check us out, um, on Friday night, go see Bruce and Conrad at the Gramercy on Saturday. What it, it's, I'll tell you what, SummerSlam weekend, and this might be the last one in New York for a while. So for you guys who are sitting there being like, eh, I don't feel like it this year, the rumor and innuendo, as Bruce and Conrad would say, the rumor and innuendo is that they're not coming back next year. Now, Greg, you think we'll get that announcement this weekend? Yeah, I do think we, cause they usually do that though, like every, SummerSlam weekend, they let us know where they're going to be. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure, like you said, because I just don't see them doing this big weekend for Mania and then doing it again for SummerSlam um, in New York. So I think now, we wave bye-bye to them in April for a so little yeah, while. So it, it is just another point. And, yes, you know, we certainly – listen, here are the things I'm giving you. You come out Friday night. You got the meet-and-greet opportunity if you buy those tickets, if they're still there. You get to see – Davis Shoemaker, the masked man, two future WWE Hall of Famers. Now, are, are there any other hints you can give about these? Um, I haven't told I haven't told guests. you yet who they are, have I? No, you have not. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to work you. I yeah, no, I, pre- I I figured as much though. People have been asking me, and I just told them like, um, you. I think you enjoy my reaction. You enjoy me marking out too much to loop me in to too it's, much. It's not worth it. There's there's not enough upside to telling you. There's way more upside to working. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I prefer it that way too, honestly. I mean, and I, I feel like my reaction to Bret Hart last year basically ensured that I won't get looped in on those types of details, but I'm a fan too. So, you know, I, I deserve to enjoy moments like this just as much as anybody else. See, as managing, as managing manager of general, excuse me. Another man who's been waiting anxiously with anticipation, his name is Jeff Harvey. Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff Harvey. Um, okay, so meet and greet, great show, special guest. I found the dead stock cheap heat socks, Greg, that never came out. Yeah, I don't even have a pair of those. No, nah, yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have give all you guys a pair this weekend. By the way, they're wonderful dress socks. I think you can wear them with sneakers. I actually prefer dressing them up, but I'm gonna sell what we do, what we don't give away. I'm gonna sell some next week online. But as just a door prize to kind of throw out to the crowd, I'm going to give out tons of socks too. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to sell, we're going to sell Man. the new shirts for the first time. Um, it, uh, they'll be cheaper in person than they will be online. So, you know, listen, we got the bottom line is this. I'm, we're going to end up with a respectable number. It's just a different ball game. Two years ago when we sold out Highline Ballroom for Cheap Heat Live, it just wasn't uh it was a different landscape for this weekend and you know it's going to be different if they go back to LA or whatever they decide to do but it's been a fun run here in New York and you know sometimes I complain about working locally it's a little weird this year because I'm so used to travel with when I work with WWE and now it'll be SummerSlam here and then WrestleMania here as well which is interesting but don't take it for granted because if you're a New Yorker and you've been like, oh, I'll catch him next year. This is this is probably it for New York for a while. So SGG, um, we got to just get into previewing SummerSlam. It's a monstrous card. Yeah, uh, including the pre-show. I think they're up to about 13 matches. Or kickoff show, excuse me. I keep saying that. The kickoff show is up to 13 matches with, um, I think, three matches on the kickoff show and 10 on the main card. Yeah, I'm trying to look at how they... Okay, yeah, here they go. They did, they did, uh, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page and seeing how they, oh, they included it as pre-show. Boom. Okay. So for pre-show, Cedric Alexander and Drew Gulak, can I be honest? We're not going to spend any time there. Um, I, you know, and, and I don't, I don't particularly need to spend a lot of time on the B team versus the revival, though. Greg, is it me? I'm really enjoying the B team still. To me, it felt like this week when they won, um, it felt like the crowd may not be as excited about the B team as it appeared they were at first. Um, I don't know that I got that. I don't know no? that I, that Good. I, I want to be wrong about this. I, I really don't. And like, it helps that they still seem so shocked when they win, I think. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hope you're, uh, I hope you're right about that. Um, and I don't see them losing the title on the pre-show. I am excited, though, about getting to, Z- to see Zelina Vega in a WWE ring in a mixed tag match, Rusev and Lana, against Cien Almas and Zelina Vega. Are you interested in this? I absolutely am, um, on both counts. Because uh, um, Zelina and Lana... 
they make they made me uh give a real apology to Lana because um this time last year I was of the mindset that I don't need to see Lana wrestle that she can like play the background do the manager thing and that she does that great and I have to say that um her work with Zelina she showed a lot of improvement and I am interested in seeing them mix it up in the mixed tag format and it's the same with um Andrade and Rusev those two their styles are very hard hitting. Um, they they mesh well together. So you put the four of them together, and I think we're going to get a really, a really interesting, a really good, enjoyable uh, mixed tag match out of them. Yeah, I'm with you 100. Um, percent I'm I'm excited to see it, and particularly to see uh, Thea Trinidad, Zelina Vega, as she is now in WWE, get into a WWE ring. Um, on a pay-per-view, kickoff show or nah. In our hometown, too. In our hometown. It's crazy. I know her brother. I'm sure he'll be there. Um, so yeah, I'm just happy for her. Um, all right. Where do we start? So Greg, that's, that takes three matches off the card. That still gives you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten matches on the main card, Greg. Ten. Yeah. Ten, ten, Matches. Um, I suppose I will start with, let's get the ones out of the way that we don't find to be that important in the grand story, regardless how you feel about it. Finn Balor and Baron Corbin. As I pointed out before, and I'll point out again, if Finn Balor doesn't beat Baron Corbin at SummerSlam, when does Finn Balor get wins? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I think, I think Finn Balor needs this, this win right here. Not to say that he hasn't beaten Baron Corbin before. I think he has some victories over him on Raw, but, you know, this is SummerSlam. This is different. This is the second biggest pay per view of the year. Um, so he needs this win and he needs it here. Isn't it crazy, um, that, some things in WWE they are not patient about at all, but the level of patience you see in certain things, like like using the the demon. Yeah, I don't know if we, I don't know when we're gonna get the demon again, and like in what situations. Honestly, because I feel like the demon they they started off with saying like it was this thing that was inside of him and then it became this thing that he uses when he needs it and now it's this thing that um we don't really see so i don't know when i don't know when we're going to see the demon again um and i feel like the last time we saw the demon was at SummerSlam right against Bray Wyatt or was he the demon when he fought AJ Styles was that it? I, I take your word for it. It's been so long, I barely even remember the demon. Like, it, it's been too damn long. Too damn long. So, I mean, there's some, we have this conversation a lot. You know, Dipperstein. M- 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 Mage. Dipperstein feels like Finn has nothing without the demon. You know? <laughs> no. that, that he's a good wrestler without any sort of gimmick. I don't, I don't disagree though from a gimmick standpoint, Greg. You know, I just really good wrestler with a great look. I, I I know indie heads love that stuff, man. I'm not trying to to ish on you, but like the whole just like he's just a good wrestler, bruh. 
like, I know this is the most big business wrestling thing to say. That stuff just doesn't really play main roster WWE that well. Well, it beyond can, him just being a good wrestler, though, right? Like, he has, um, he has that same connection to the crowd in or out of the demon, the demon look. Um, he's better on the mic because he actually gets on the mic. The demon doesn't talk. Um, but but what? But is his talking on the mic effective? Is it good? Does it help build his character? Does it help us understand? Not to mention we understand. Not to mention the fact that weird ass xenophobic Americans seem to be scared off by people by with accents, even if they have <laughs> even if they have babyface accents. And I say babyface accents just because they're accents that historically are more likely to be a babyface. Though don't get me wrong, you know you name the accent: Scottish, Irish, British. They've all been used as a heel plenty of times. Yeah, um, and honestly, I think people can't tell them apart anyway enough to be like, oh, this is – they think they're all English accents. Also a good point. Um, So, yeah, I, listen, I don't think you see him this weekend. I don't think you see the demon. But I will say um, it, it, he, he, it, it needs something. You I mean, know, listen. It, it, he's he, should Finn Balor be the first match we're talking about at SummerSlam? No, but also that's not. There's two people in that match, and I, I mean, come on. The reason we're talking about a Finn Balor match this way is because it has no. It's a low stakes match with a low stakes opponent, right? There's no championship. There's no briefcase. There's no real grudge, and the opponent is. Constable Corbin, who also, like, as great as he's doing in the Constable role, doesn't really do much for anybody in the ring. I hear you. So it's not Finn's fault that we're speaking about a match of his this way. It's just that's true. That's true. But it, but it is an indicator of where he generally stands and where his story is. Um, the aforementioned Jeff Harvey, another man who's been waiting anxiously with anticipation. His name is Jeff Harvey Hardy. Against, of course, Shinsuke, Naka, Mora. I predicted the last time they had a match at a pay-per-view, and I got it dead wrong, that they could steal the show. Of course, that turned out to be a squash. But they did steal the show, though, because nobody was expecting. I mean, it wasn't stealing the show in the way that you think, but like that was one of the most memorable. Yeah, it was one of the most memorable matches of the show and moments. I think we'll get a little bit more uh, from them this time. Um, and uh, and I expect Shinsuke Nakamura to win again. Yeah, unanimous decision over here. Um, same. I think they're going to entertain, and I think Nakamura is going to walk away still your United States champion. Um, yeah, it just doesn't seem to make any sense otherwise. If we talked about many times, I just don't see, um, the advantage. Like, Jeff Hardy doesn't lose anything by losing. Like, it just, he, he's Jeff, he's Jeff Harvey, for God's sake. Um, Carmella versus Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. This is, this is tough. I mean, you guys know me. You know I'm here for the money all day. Money. Mella all day. I love I love money Mella like Greg loves this. I like a delicious chicken. 
So fair and accurate. You know, I, I could see it being Becky Lynch. I could see it seems like there has been a, a build towards that, and I, I could see that happening. But I'm with the money. I, I, I don't. I'm very particular about when I think if I think there's a, a, a championship reign that's meaningful. I get particular about when that reign ends. And you, you, you <laughs> I and know I, this. <laughs> yeah, and you and I, you and I even disagreed. You thought Oscar would have made sense to win last time. In retrospect, I, I see that point, but I still was like, nah. I don't think the story dictates that, and I tend to feel that way now. And to me, the second Charlotte got added to the match, to me that that is good news for Mella. Yeah, same. Um and to your point about you being particular about when championship ran, I think about all the time when uh, we interviewed Sasha right before Mania and Shoemaker asked the question, you know, like, want us to give a prediction for the match right there. And you're just like, nah, I think Charlotte's going to win. I don't think I don't think you're ready for it to her face. So, like, you saying what you said just now is not really lip service. It's you actually are about that life. And um, in this in this situation, I'm with I'm right with you there. I don't think Carmella loses this Sunday. I don't think it's time. But I also think that what we are going to see um, for as long as they've been dragging Sasha and Bailey and, you know, teasing that storyline out, I do think we're going to see the implosion of Charlotte and Becky. And one is going to cost the other the match and is going to lead them to a feud um, into evolution, most likely, while Carmella, she can just keep being money. Money! Money! So, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, Dolph withdrew against Seth and the newly, the new look, new man, Dean Ambrose. I, Greg, it wasn't my net, it wasn't the way I would have drawn it up to see Dean come back. You know, just have it be like an announcement. But I did pop for Dean's new look, even though I had heard that he looked this way. He looks cool. It was a needed. It was a needed update, and I thought it made him look badass. So while I didn't love that it came just in like sort of a hey, here he is again. Call me old fashioned. Can I get the save? Even if it had been obvious. It would have been less obvious than just announcing him. Yeah, I, I or, agree. Or, I, or if you're just going to announce him, Greg, tell me what you think about this. If you're just going to announce him, announce him and let's see him for the first time on Sunday. Do you remember like 10 years ago when Triple H came back and he appeared at SummerSlam and all he did was come out and do his intro and spit water and that was it? Yeah, I agree. I, I'm with you. I thought they were going to... Like, I feel like they telegraphed him returning for a couple of weeks now, and I was torn between whether it was going to be him or Jason Jordan, but once Seth made the announcement, I think I, I would have thought they were going to wait um, for him to show up on Sunday and make people see him for the first time and, you know, build that anticipation. But they didn't lose that much by bringing him out, though. They got a good fight out of it. Um. Yeah. It just could have been a little more. Now. There is speculation out there that he turns on Dean on Sunday. Seth. Dean turns on Seth. Sorry, that Dean turns on Seth, I should say. 
What, what's, what's your take? It is hard to, I mean, I, I share that speculation just because of the new look and like he looks more, more psychotic. And I just have to think about like in, you know, in wrestling past, wrestling history, people who go away for their injury and then come back as muscular, like that change in muscle definition that Dean came back with, that difference is the signal of uh, darker days to come for whoever's in their way. Um, Because he's been in the gym. He's been in the gym pumping iron, thinking about how sick of that damn Seth Rollins he is, always living under his shadow. Seth Rollins now. Now he's the most popular member from The Shield. Everyone loves Seth Rollins. What about me? No, but seriously. Seriously, not only that, but like, I get injured and you replace me the next week with Jason Jordan. Like the next week you replace me and you keep moving. Like you don't even care about what happened to me. Like you didn't care. Now you call me when you need me to save you from them. Well, you didn't need me and I don't need you. And this is really that simple. Speaking of heel moves, how do you like that dirty dog, Sam Roberts? Having his 200th podcast live, and one of his guests is Pat McAfee, <laughs> who he's been working with for 10 seconds, and not a phone call to have have me come by the 200th episode. Text nothing? No nothing? No text? Not nothing? a word. Oh, not, a, not a word. That's right. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. It was repug. It is Repug. It is Repug. And I just want everyone to remember this. I am made to be the heel. Everyone hates on Rosenberg. I got it. I know. I got the big radio show. I drive a fancy car, which I got from Paul Auto on Instagram. I I live on the nice side of town. I got life pretty much how I like it. That was a Ric Flair quote. It wasn't actually being me. But the bottom line is this. Everyone makes me the bad guy in wrestling for whatever reason that is. They don't think I'm indie enough or whatever. But remember, when push comes to shove, it was time for the big 200th episode to celebrate with his friends. Sam Roberts called Pat McAfee, a guy who he's known for eight seconds. Not me. Not the guy he's been hanging out with at wrestling. Not a guy. I've, 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 I've had him on our show. The first time he ever had Mark Henry on the show, guess who brought him there? I'm going to guess Peter Rosenberg. That's right. You guessed correctly when you just said that. That's correct. It was me. Sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. So just everyone remember that. Everyone remember when you think someone's the darling baby face that you all love and I'm the bad guy, everyone remember. Okay? By the way, Greg, the one super reach we got this week was I, I got one email from someone, and we'll get there in a second. Mail. Saying we should change the intro to the show because it has Hulk Hogan's voice on it for two seconds. I did not even know he was on the intro to the show. The he does like as if you what what is it what it's so quick. 
It's 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 every it's all those voices together. Oh, it goes Hulkamania is. I think it goes Hulkamania is running wild. Let me see. Oh, from the um, WWE drop. Yeah, I know yeah. What you're talking about. Yes, sir. We promised you a great man. I'm sorry, guy. I, I, that's. I think. Here's what we're not going to do. I've talked about this before. Everyone has every right to hate Terry Bollea. I cannot do a podcast where we pretend that Hulkamania didn't happen. It just can't happen. We will have to skip too big a period in wrestling. Also, I don't think that was really an endorsement of Hulk Hogan, really. It's just... Saying Hulkamania was running wild? Hulkamania was running wild. That was a but long also, time like, ago. It's white noise at this point. I don't even know how anybody realized that that was still there. You hear this all the time, and it's just like, bloop. Like, it didn't even register. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I think that was a bit much. Um... A bit excessive. I, like I said, I just think it's impossible. Let me put it this way: we all live in America. Do you? Does everyone think about America's history constantly, all the time, every minute? The disgusting, terrible parts about our country's history? No. Now, if you ask me about it, oh, I'll tell you all about it, and I'll tell you my feelings on it. But. If you say, well, what do you still have a hot dog on July 4th? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll have a hot dog on July 4th. But if on July 5th you want to ask me about everything else, if on July 4th you want to ask me, I'll tell you all about it. I, what, what I'm saying is I can't live in a world. It's not it's, – it's a trend that's happening because we're learning so many bad things about people. That the thing that makes us comfortable is to erase history. I'm not comfortable with that. You can either, you could be disgusted by it, not celebrate it, do whatever you want. But I, I can't as a, I'm gonna, I don't use this word very often, but on the basic level journalist that I am, I, I, I'm not gonna just ignore Hulkamania guys. I think too though, part of it is people, it's difficult for people to like acknowledge, like respect the past or whatever, not even respect it, but like acknowledge that something happened in the past without viewing that as them needing to carry it into the future. You know what I mean? So it's like, just because you bring something up doesn't mean that like it's the way you want to live or like it's an endorsement or it's just celebrating it. Like you can, bring up these things and recognize it and recognize the ugliness of it without wanting to or even like actively trying to carry that ugliness into the future and at the same time like if you don't want to associate with that ugliness doesn't mean that you have to act like it's not it wasn't there or like it's not there or whatever i i just think guys there's just bigger there's bigger things there's it's it's bad it stinks that it stinks that this guy that we looked up to as a kid turned out to be a much lamer person than we would have hoped for. That's a real bummer. Um, and I suppose, and again, you know, this is the second week in a row. I suppose there are certain lines that can get crossed that becomes challenging to ever talk about them at all, a la Benoit, right? I I, I get that. And I'm not suggesting that for certain, um, for people, Greg, you're a great example. Some people are hurt much more by the Hulk Hogan thing than others. And that, that doesn't just mean black versus white. I mean, within black people, there are some people who really, they, they don't 
think about him as a person. They don't care. They're just like, what? Hulk Hogan, the person? What? I don't care. Like, just doesn't <laughs> register. I, I've talked to plenty of people. Doesn't affect them at all. And then there's some people that hold on to it to other varying degrees. Someone being a lame person who said hurtful, bad things, it stinks. Um, I, it just comes up short for me of, say, murdering your whole family in terms of where now you go, I don't think we can even see an image because the image is sort of terrifying. Anyways, this is incredibly nuanced. But no, I'm not removing the two-second part. I just love that intro from when they used it on WWE. So, But we'll get to mailbag in a second with all your other random thoughts and complaints. Mail. Um, SGG, we should move on to the next uh, portion here. Um, brr, oh, okay, Dolphin Seth. We we talked more about what what will happen. The fact that Dean does have the different look, has the different look, what that indicates. There will be a change at some point. I don't think it will happen Sunday, and I think Seth Rollins will win. I I disagree. I think it does happen Sunday, and we get Dolph Ziggler escaping with his Intercontinental Championship. All right. Not mad for sure. Not mad at all. Um, Braun Strowman putting money in the bank on the line against KO. I'm going KO. I'd never thought Braun needed that briefcase, and he still doesn't to go on a a murdering rampage. And I think KO with the money in the bank briefcase is interesting because KO makes all of his championships and accomplishments. That much more interesting. We're on the exact same page. Couldn't agree with you more. I'll leave it right there. Bludgeon Brothers against the New Day. Man, the New Day had a hell of a match last week. Hell of a match against the bar to finish SmackDown last week. Um, to me, it feels like a moment for the New Day and they get the titles back. What are your thoughts? It's tough. Like, I would love to see New Day get the titles back, but at the same time, I A, I don't think they need them, and B, I think the Bludgeon Brothers have been on such a tear that I would let them continue that. So I'm going to go Bludgeon Brothers. Wow. Look at us. We are not on the same page today. AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. Hold on, everyone. Wait for it. Now, you know how I feel. I never think AJ needs a title. Meanwhile, I think Samoa Joe as a mean champion, walking around holding that belt, that title, if you will. Oof, shouldn't say that word. Yeah. It was Rapug. Oh, no, I have a... I have a I have a more appropriate drop for that. Hold on, hold on. It's not a belt. It's a title. Um, Shout out to Zach. Um, Yeah, I like the idea of Samoa Joe with that thing. And um, (laughs) that thing is worse than belt. (laughs) It's not a belt. It's a title. So, yeah, I'm going uh, going Samoa Joe. Same. I'm ready for it. I'm all in on a Samoa Joe championship reign. 
That'll be very exciting for a variety of reasons. I'm excited to see this match. Seen it a thousand times before, but excited to see it on this stage. Um, Alexa Bliss and Ronda Rousey. Is it time yet for Ronda to win that title? I say no. I say yes. I think it is time. Uh, it was repug. I could see you being right. I could see you being right. Because look at it, right? Ronda Rousey was just on, what was it, Colbert? Um, she's in the media all the time. Sure. Granted, they have to make Mondays interesting, which is why uh, Alexa Bliss cashed in her Money in the Bank briefcase. But now that they're not worried about a briefcase or anything like that, Shouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be nice if the next time Ronda gets a call to go to Colbert or promote something that she's doing outside the ring, she carries her uh, WWE Women's Championship with her on those on those excursions? I mean, it's more than Brock does with the Universal Title, and like that's why people justify having him as champ. Yeah, the hard part is who chases her and then gets the title off her. I mean, Alexa. It presents some challenges in terms of taking it off, although maybe maybe it's good for Nia. Um, maybe eventually for Sasha, that presents a cool story if should they want to put use her on TV. Um, yeah, not a bad call, Greg. Not a bad call at all. Daniel Bryan and the Miz. We could be in the middle of Miz country. I'm going Miz. So you don't think this is the end? No, I don't. I mean, look, WWE has that game that comes out every year, right? Mm -hmm. They've Over the years, they've made no issue about pulling people, featuring people. In fact, like when they would feature people, it was sort of them tipping their hand, right? They featured Brock, and then he came around the next year. Uh, Goldberg was in the video game. Ended up coming back. Kurt Angle, Daniel Bryan staying. He, they making him a focal point of that 2K showcase. They brought back a whole game mode just to talk about Daniel Bryan's career, not because he was on his way out the door. And nice no job, way. by the way. I enjoyed the little storytelling they did about their history this past week. Yeah, it, finally. I mean, I'm glad they did it because that was some good, some good history between them that they sort of alluded to but didn't really go into. And they needed yeah, to do I, that. We needed that. I agree. Um, so you're saying Daniel Bryan loses and this continues on. Yeah. Cause he yeah, definitely see, didn't leave the company. How can like, this be, how can this be a one match thing at this point? It's already been going on for a decade. So yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think this keeps going. I'll go Miz too by hook or by crook. Um, definitely by crook, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> likely by crook. And then lastly, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship. Every time this match comes around, I say the same thing. And I've been wrong every time. But I'm going to say the same thing again this time. I'm going to say Roman Reigns, Universal Champion. Trying it one more time, huh? 
Yeah, I mean, like, I gotta be right. I can't look any more stupid, and I gotta be right one of these days. So that could be might a drop. as well. That could be a future drop on the show. I can't look Might any more well. stupid. Um, and you don't think any funny business happens? You think it's just straight up he wins, boom, move on? No, I don't think any funny business. Um, I'm not expecting Heyman to to turn on Brock. And it, it honestly wouldn't make any sense for anybody. Not for Heyman, not for Brock, not for Roman. Like nobody, nobody needs that. Well, hold on. Let's not say it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense, you mean, for where the story is right now or moving forward? Because from a moving forward standpoint, um, the idea of Heyman turning on Brock for a full-blown bad guy Roman Reigns is pretty appealing. But why would Roman do that, though? That's the That's the part that doesn't make sense. Why would Roman do that, and why would Heyman do that? Why would Heyman? Because it's it comes with a risk, right? It's only worth it if Roman can get the title. So why would Heyman risk pissing off Brock Lesnar if Brock Lesnar could come around and hold on to the title? So now you lost the title and you lost your client. Doesn't make sense for Roman to do it because these guys have been a thorn in his side the whole time. Well, if, if, let's say Heyman, um, the second that he was fully disrespected by Brock Lesnar, decided to go make a move with, with Roman Reigns, cause he, A, was fed up with Brock Lesnar, he knows Brock Lesnar wants to leave, and he wants to be with a champion. Roman Reigns has had enough. No one appreciates him anyway. He's getting the title and he's moving on. I don't know, but wouldn't it be fun? You don't think it'd be fun? I think it'd be fun. I still don't, like, they'll make it make sense, but to me it doesn't make sense that they would do that. Heyman, I honestly, for me, I don't care about it making sense much as I just don't want to live, I don't want to live in in-between land with, with Roman anymore. I, I was just watching a Cena-Orton match from SummerSlam 2007, and... I think that's what it was. SummerSlam 2007. And in 2007, dude, at Continental Airlines Arena here in New Jersey, right outside the city, John Cena is getting the same mixed reaction that he got for most of the next 10 years. I mean, granted, it got more and more boot. And and JR and, and Jerry had to like come up with a way to talk about it. Like, oh, you know, a lot of Randy Orton fans here tonight. And it was that long ago, man. In <laughs> but, in 07 that started. But it worked out for John Cena. So it worked out for John Cena in terms of what? In terms of him having a long career and transitioning into doing other stuff? Not even sure. him having a long career. Like it it didn't we didn't get him out of here at all. And believe yeah, but, me, we but, tried. Like I was among the contingent of people who were trying to be like, "We've we've seen enough." Didn't move him. He didn't well, go but, anywhere. But but just because it didn't move him, and just because it worked out fine for Cena, doesn't mean it was the best choice. And I, I I will maintain that. Of course, it worked out. I mean, the WWE is a machine, and John Cena is a star, so it's gonna be okay 
Roman Reigns could continue like this for a long time, and it will be fine. But if Roman Reigns, in my opinion, was able to go a different direction and really own it, he could be special. Like, it could be electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> he could, he could really with, Roman is hated enough that if Heyman went with Roman, and especially because I think people are a little bit fed up with Heyman these days, if Heyman went with Roman, Heyman would get booed too. Like, Heyman could get legitimately booed. Like, get the real heat that Paul Heyman should have. I think it's potentially really fun. And I think in the end, in in two years, you end up getting the babyface Roman Reigns you always wanted. But if you don't commit to it, and if you stick with him just being the way he is, as was done with Cena, it will turn out totally fine. I just think no risk, no reward, man. It could be special if you go somewhere else. And I'll just say this. Heyman is one of those people, you know, this is incredibly high praise, like a Bobby Heenan, that sheerly by standing next to them, you are completely different. Uh, I mean, yes and no, right? Because, like, Ryback and Curtis Axel stood next to him and, like, they were exactly the same. Like it didn't move the needle on that too much. It takes a combination of things. I think uh, Roman I mean, is yeah, that and, right and listen, ingredient, but no, and listen, and the Brooklyn Brawler didn't become King Kong Bundy either. But by and large, if given the full thing with the right talent, it means a lot. You know, Ryback and Curtis Axel didn't mean that much. Neither did the Brooklyn Brawler. Neither did Terry Taylor. But if you Put someone meaningful next to Heyman. I, I think it would be a big deal. And I'm sorry, Greg. I have no interest in just seeing Roman Reigns just wins and it's a regular match and he fights hard and he hits him with three spears and then he gets the pin and that's it. I, I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong and I hope that if it happens, the crowd goes nuts and they love it. That's what I hope. And I'll be right there to cheer if they do. I don't think WWE cares about like the crowd loving it though, because they have stories to tell, and like it, it's it's tough because it's sort of like the Daniel Bryan effect, right? Uh, WrestleMania 30, they let us feel like we run the show and like that we affected the story. So now every chance the crowd gets, we try to run the show and affect the story instead of just letting them tell the story. And the, a couple of times it caused them to you know back off and um sort of mess up the story that they were trying to tell but at the same time I think at least with Roman they shouldn't really concern themselves with like what the crowd thinks because for as much as people complain there's also a contingent in the crowd that is enjoying the story I guess it just depends on what your standard is I don't know I'd like to see a little more that's me oh hey guys uh before we continue on here, I got to tell you real quick about ZipRecruiter. Yes, are you hiring? Are you trying to find the best employees imaginable? Have you messed up and not gone to ZipRecruiter? As you can hear, I'm literally walking down the streets of New York where I'm constantly seeing people trying to put together businesses. Everyone's trying to hire, but are you finding the most talented people? How are you doing? You got to go to ZipRecruiter, okay? Get over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Cheap heat. That's ziprecruiter.com slash cheap heat. 
It is so challenging to find great talent, and they know how to do it, okay? They have found a smarter way and a better platform to find the right job candidates for you. So what are you waiting for? That's ZipRecruiter.com slash cheap heat. Check it out. Mail. Um, Bobby Dop. Pete SGG, I don't know how heavy you are on mail this week, but I wanted to send, I wanted to encourage attendance at this week's, at this year's Cheap Heat Live. I've been there the last two Slummer, SummerSlam weekends and they were phenomenal. The sneak attack by the maker of shoes two years ago kicked off my first trip to NYC. Last year I came to the event alone, got loaded in the venue at Jace Restaurant because I got there too early. I'm a fat white nerd, so I'm not accepted in many places, but when I walked into the building, you personally vouched for me after sending another non-wrestling guy on his way. I don't even know what that means. I did that? I'd never <laughs> been so, I'd never been so proud to be a peckerhead. Minutes later, Shu walked past me. Minutes after that, Titus friggin' O'Neill walked past me. I was not expecting any of this. I thought I was just gonna drink in New York City with some fine folks. Titus is a real life superhero. Then, the WWE champion came into the building, with the friggin' belt. How dare you? Title. It's not a belt. It's a title. Um, out of where? Out of nowhere. Not advertised. Jinder Mahal sat down at the table and did an awesome show. I know it's a tendency for us to want to keep our favorite brand to ourselves, being in on something only we have access to. But I hope this year's experience is even more mage and even more successful than anything you've done with WWE before. Love you guys, Craig. P.S. I was the guy who accidentally fell into the light switch twice during the Jinder segment. And left in a pile of shame for being so loaded. I, I've apologized before on Twitter, but it was the most embarrassed I'd ever been, especially considering who was there. Well, don't worry. I don't remember that. Um, but I really appreciate the, the note. That was great. Rodney writes us. Mail. What's up, Pete? No cap. That's what those crazy yeah. kids are saying in, in case in, in place of no lie, dead ass, or I issue not. Don't feel old. I think it's primarily an Atlanta thing that, of course, will spread throughout the culture. Exaggerating or telling lies is referred to as capping down here in the A, so no cap would be the opposite. Anyway, love the show. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. I meant to tell you that. Yeah, the no hat. I was like, no, I I didn't know. I'm good on that. I'm good on that, by the way. Um, I'm not mad at the phrase capping or no cap. Don't know if I'm going to start using the emoji with it. Just don't know <laughs> um, where I'm at with that. But I do appreciate people telling me that I am old as F. Um, Hall of Fame ideas. This mess- message comes from Chris. Mail. Hey, Pete, huge fan, longtime listener, and second-time emailer. I have a question for you and SGG about your WWE Hall of Fame headliner predictions for the next three years and who should induct them. Now... SGG can't put Bret Hart in three more times, nor can he put in Roman yet. So here's mine. uh, 2019, The Rock inducted by Austin. 2020, The Undertaker inducted by Mayor Glenn Jacobs. 2021, Chris Jericho inducted by Kevin Owens. Stay mage, enjoy yourself, and bring a heat and greet to Florida. We'll pay your tolls. Oh, the tolls drove me nuts. P.S. Dip needs to be on the show more. He's tremendous. Mail. He was going to be here today. It just didn't work out. Schedule wise. Um, I like those. Those are all very yeah. good. Hard to argue with those. That that wasn't no, where I was going to go, but those were all 
really, really good. Yeah, those would really, those would all work. Mean Gene writes us, J-E-A-N. Mail. What's good, sweet Pete and SGG? Just wanted to say that I'm a member of the Peanut Gallery as a radio guy who's trying to figure out if that's still my life plan. Big ESPN radio fan, obviously a WWE guy. You're an inspiration, brother. Thanks, man. How do you feel about this scenario? SummerSlam. Miz beats DB, and he doesn't re-sign his contract. Spends a couple of months tearing it up on the indies. AJ beats Samoa Joe at SummerSlam, then eventually Miz beats him in either December or January for the title. At the Rumble, we're getting ready for number 30 to hit, and Daniel Bryan is number 30, wins the Rumble, Miz and Daniel Bryan for the title in the main event at Mania. Bryan wins the title and gets the run he was supposed to have after Mania 30. The story writes itself, no. Enjoy yourself, SummerSlam weekend, and next time you see my girl Karen Rate, give her a hug for me. Love Karen. Thanks, Gene. Um, that is a fun story. I, I do, I would really enjoy Miz going to the Indies. You know, just yeah. to, sh- I, I don't know if it, that part fits if you need it or if, it, if you just really are, are popping yourself by saying that. But it is great. I would, I would enjoy that storyline the way he laid it out too. I mean, we know WWE has relationships with, um, some indie companies. So Daniel Bryan popping up at, um, like at an Evolve show or, or something like that, it, it is doable and, um, it would wash off a little bit of the stink of that, uh, Summer of Punk from, uh, from when CM Punk should have realistically gone to the indies and performed in some independent shows with the WWE title and just didn't just popped up a couple weeks later. All right, we got to go to Ron here. Mail. He had the awesome suggestion about Bad Baby with with uh, Mella. And he said he has another thing he just has to mention about the Punk and Cabana lawsuit. He said, if you and Uptown Malcolm Esquire are going to get into this story, there are a couple of really important issues that seem to have gotten lost in the general conversation. One. The agreement for CM Punk to cover Colt's legal fees wasn't just a text or email conversation. It was documented by Punk's law firm in their letter to both of them about representation and payment. The firm said they would represent both of them with the understanding that Punk would do the bill, would get the bill. Two, Colt's lawsuit is not just based on the idea that he's being asked to pay his own bills now. Colt is claiming, and his lawyer confirmed this to me, that if Punk hadn't offered to cover the bills, Colt would have given in to the doctor's demands and taking down the podcast episode with the punk interview, in which case Colt wouldn't have been sued in the first place. According to Colt's lawyer, punk hasn't been served with the lawsuit yet, but he is aware of it. There's a court appearance scheduled for early October, so we'll see if anything happens before then. If you guys want to discuss this or any of the other wrestling-related legal issues at any point, my info's below. Greg, Ron is challenging you at the... Uh, <laughs> Very impressive message there, and some good information. I appreciate that. Well, it's not it's not a challenge. You know, I don't look at anybody as any competition. We're all wrestling fans. We all enjoy this. We all have information and insight. He added his. I appreciate it, and it changes uh, the way I thought about the case. Yeah, that was very interesting. Good stuff. Um. All right. Um, Austin writes us. Lots of nice compliments first. Mail. 
But then he says, now on to wrestling. I want to get your opinion before SummerSlam 2018 on the segment with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns from the Go Home Show. It would appear as if Paul Heyman simply tricked us and was just trying to further Brock Lesnar's agenda. However, the Samoan line from his father and the fact that Roman didn't disclose what was on the paper Heyman handed him gives me a gut feeling that we are seeing an alliance between Roman and Paul Heyman despite what we saw on Monday. Is it just wishful thinking that Roman will finally turn heel? Time will tell. Continue being awesome. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. Awesome. We already discussed that, obviously, but great point. Great, great point. Yeah, and I still don't know what he said to him in in uh, Samoan. Well, get your language game up. Um, Carrie writes us, Greg. Mail. Your Majesty, great pod last week. Even though it was truncated because of your travels, I really enjoyed how you got meta when discussing why we all watch pro wrestling. To dissect it and agree or disagree with storylines and wrestling motivations, wrestlers' motivations. I totally agree. Of course, it's awesome to watch guys do red arrows and suicide dives and high-risk maneuvers, but the best part of pro wrestling to me has always been the acts and the storylines. Thanks for pointing that out. Enjoy yourself Friday night. I'm sorry I won't be there to cheer you on against that charlatan. Davis Shoemaker. Uh, Maynard writes us. Mail. Is this Omarosa thing the biggest face turn in the past 10 years? By the way, <laughs> SGG, where is Omarosa in the black power rankings? Hashtag, I can't believe we are now rooting for Omarosa. Maynard, this is very interesting because I am yet to talk to anyone who feels that way. That they're rooting for Omarosa? Yeah, I, I have. Yeah, I'm not rude. I don't like. First of all, she's not saying anything new, and she's making herself look bad too. Because if she knew that Donald Trump said certain things during The Apprentice and felt a certain way about black people, then she's looking funny in the light for standing next to him after that. After being well, and offered by the way, a job but, and, and, and telling Greg, us we're I, all going to bow down to him. I couldn't agree with you more. And we said the same thing on the show. You probably heard that this week. It's it's ridiculous. Now you want to say he said the N-word? Well, that didn't stop you from being uh, 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 working next to him for the last 15 years. But, guys, I, I just want everyone to know, the N-word isn't the only thing that determines racism. Right, we got him on tape calling Mexican rapists. I have a tape, too. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you don't need it. Sometimes there's other things that you can look at. Like, don't get me wrong, I understand the power of the word. It's obviously incredibly powerful. But don't get caught up thinking that is the piece of evidence. For the record, there are tons of tapes, things that are said that did not change anything. I did not see it as a face turn. Um, I thought it was more like a double heel turn. <laughs> like, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it, it was like, it was. I, I know what he's saying, and I, it is a funny concept. But just from my experience, I didn't hear that from anyone. TJ writes us and says Brown versus the board and modern professional wrestling. Mail. Hey Rosenberg, TJ here. Big fan of yours since your territory days running around with that disgusting dastardly maker of shoes. Glad that Greg, aka Tony Statless, that's phenomenal, is still <laughs> in your stable. He's got loyalty and royalty inside his DNA. Facts. <laughs> Tony Statless is a mage. 
I attended SmackDown Live last night in my hometown of Greenville and had a few reflections upon my experience. The one that stuck with me the most, however, has to do with, of all things, the cruiserweights. After SmackDown went off the air, we got to watch the taping of 205 Live. Personal note, one of the reasons I got into wrestling was when I was a kid, the, w- the WCW cruiserweight division. As a smaller guy myself, who was a mat wrestler at lower weights, the cruisers were a natural fit for my affections, and I love that pro wrestling, blah, 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 blah. I kept up with it. Blah, blah, blah. However, last night, 205 Live delivered what I believe to be the best the two best in-ring products that I saw all night. A great short match between Leo Rush and Akira Tozawa. Um, and a barn burner between Jack Gallagher and Cedric Alexander. The crowd had become sparse after SmackDown went off air and folks had gotten restless waiting for the dark match after 205 Live. However, Cedric versus Jack got a lot of people around us back into the action. I ended up answering a lot of questions about the cruisers from people who never watched 205 Live. And I think Cedric especially made some new fans. That brought me back to your conversation about the ladies in evolution last week. You mentioned the possibility of there being an all-women show at some point. And we don't mean a pay-per-view. I meant an actual show, weekly show. But boldly reflected upon Brown versus the board to remind us that separate's inherently unequal. I agree. And this can't be made clearer than with the cruiserweights. Week in and week out, some of these guys are doing some of the best in-ring performing in the company. But because they are on a separate show... They get an unequal amount of attention, and I feel that their excellence is being wasted to some degree. I hope this never happens with the women's wrestlers who are setting the place on fire right now from top to bottom. While we shouldn't ignore the different divisions, women's cruiserweights, etc., we can't sequester them either. I hope the women stay as much a part of Raw and SmackDown as the men, and I hope one day the WWE will include the the cruiserweights along with their heavier counterparts as part of the main product. Like the women getting evolution, perhaps the cruisers can one day merit their own pay-per-view. Definitely possible, he says. Maybe an annual cruiserweight classic could be the special event. Would love to hear your thoughts. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. Peace, TJ. I don't have anything to add to that except I think it's a tremendous email. And makes a lot, a lot, a lot of sense. And does prove the point about why separate is unequal, even in terms of professional wrestling. Yeah. And uh, just to add to that a little bit, too, like he said, they're giving the Cruiserweights a great shot by throwing them on after SmackDown. And they're putting on a great product. But just, I've, I guess, him saying people left the arena proves the point that as good as it is, like people aren't watching. Yeah, there's a lot, man. It's a lot to take in of wrestling every week, whether you're there in person or just trying to fit it in TV. Um, Greg, do you have a Black Power Rankings? I do have a Black Power Rankings. So for the main what event, g- what do you got for the main event? The Black Power Rankings in the number three. I'm going with Shelton Benjamin. Um, made his return. I didn't even realize he was on a hiatus, but he came back. Losing effort to Jeff Hardy, but the two of them in the ring are still magic even after all these years. So he's going in at number three. In at number two, Ember Moon, uh, who had a match against Alexa Bliss with Ronda Rousey in her corner. Um, she's managed to keep her streak of entertaining matches going as well. So she's going in at number two for that. And for number one, I mean, Here we go. is there anybody else? Amorosa. Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, negative 1,000, Omarosa. But in the number one, <laughs> in the number one, we go in New Day. Like, they they just, they can't miss in the ring. Um, it's yeah, wild that they still managed to capture lightning in a bottle and strike 
and come off as hot uh, on the mic, in the ring, everything they do. Happy birthday, Kofi Kingston. And my gift to you is this number one on the Black Power Rankings. Oh, my God. Uh, that is a perfect segue. And, you know, maybe if you're good, you'll see the new day on Complex Open late next week. Hey, SGG, I end it by saying this. I need you to think. I'm not even going to let you answer right now unless you really feel you need to. I think you should think about it all week. Thinking about everything, all things included, damage done. I need you to really think this through. You're standing on a building. And you see two people fall. There's a skirmish and they fall. You run over and you see both these people hanging on the side of the building. Each with a hand up. You know you can only get one of them. Those hands belong to Omarosa and Terry Bollea. I need you to think long and hard. Maybe we maybe wait for a full week to think about yeah. what you do. Yeah, you let's definitely revisit this. Let's definitely revisit this. I don't need time. I have an answer, but but it wouldn't be pro wrestling if we just gave it to them right away. Because I mean, you have to weigh out a lot of stuff here, man. A lot of stuff. It wouldn't be wrestling if we gave it to them right away. So let's do this. We don't have to make them wait a full week, but we can definitely revisit this on Friday. <laughs> it's professional wrestling. Guys, go buy your tickets. We'll see you Friday night. Uh, door 630. We're going to start the show around 8. Probably go till around 930, 940. Then do the meet and greet on stage afterwards. And we're really looking forward to seeing everyone who comes out. The shirts will be for sale. I'll have the socks. We'll have everything. The whole damn cheap heat wardrobe. Go to Ticketmaster right now and get those tickets. And, uh, and of course, there's still some tickets left to uh, Raw and SmackDown as well next week at the Barclays Center. Hey, SGG, do me a favor. And until Friday, go ahead and stay mage. Oh, yeah. Oh, and enjoy yourself.